Welcome to the weekly podcast from Harvest Ridge Church in North Ridgeville, Ohio. Our heart's desire is that you would grow in your love and devotion to Jesus Christ and that these messages will strengthen your daily walk. For more information about our church, visit us on the web at www.harvestridge.net. What is this? There is no flavor. There are no spices. Where are the chips? Somebody stole them. Did you not tell them that they were the Lord's chips? Silence, brothers. This is the worst lunch I ever had. Sorry, I actually chose that movie as my summer at the movies movie before I had my sermon outline done. So that that makes me a bad preacher. I don't know what to tell you. I just had to use that movie. Um, Nacho Libre. It's a great film. If you haven't seen it. Uh, stop what you're doing in your life right now. I mean, you can finish the sermon, but go watch that. It's a great movie. One of the best that God's ever allowed to be produced. Uh, I wanted to show that clip in particular this morning because we were talking about blessing. Blessing this morning. This is the worst lunch I ever had. <laughs> um, so, blessing. Anybody think they know what blessing is? Put your hand in the air. I just want you to be bold for a minute. Like, think you got a good grip on what blessing is. So, fact is, we talk about blessing all the time, and it's kind of internalized, right? So we say, God bless you, after somebody sneezes or coughs, or we just say it. It's just a reaction that we do. Um, we say in the South, well, not we, but people from the South tend to say, oh, bless your heart. Which if, if you've ever lived there, you know, it, well, in my opinion, it's kind of a backhanded insult that means, boy, you're stupid. <laughs> Smile at me. You know what I'm talking about. Like, if you're from there, you know. Um, we do it on social media. We say hashtag blessings. Anyone ever done that before? Things are going good. You're on a beach somewhere. You know, you feel like you got to post. Hashtag blessed. Um, just saying. Uh, as Americans, we tend to say God bless. America, right? Depending on where you're from. Either omit the A or say it. Um, But I wonder though, (laughs) do we really walk in a full understanding of what blessing is when we're using that word? And uh, you know, in other times, some people think that blessing is what you do before you eat, right? Like say a blessing before the meal, which is kind of funny sometimes. Like, Lord, bless this Pizza Hut pizza to our bodies somehow, (laughs) which I think is really funny that we do that. I mean, it's good to say thanks for our uh, meal, but speaking of blessing over it, maybe somebody can explain that one to me. Um, We uh, also think blessing means it's the stuff we have, right? Anybody in that category? So it's the car in your garage, it's the TV you have, it's all the stuff that you gather. And uh, some also think that blessing is uh, simply just believing in God, right? So either you're blessed or not blessed, 
Uh, you know, we say all the time, walking in blessings are either good things or bad things happen to you according to um, whether you're blessed or not. But the fact is, even though we use all these terms in that way, blessing is, it's actually really a big topic and it's multi multifaceted and there's a lot involved in it. So uh, there's a lot of ground to cover this morning. So you're going to have to give me some grace. I know there's things I'm going to miss, connections I'm not going to make, uh, and there's a lot to say. So um, if I'm talking fast this morning, um, I am because I'm trying to get through it all. <laughs> so, uh, so let's get rolling here. So God has been imparting blessing uh, for a really long time. And so what I wanted to do to start is I wanted to take a look at the first time that blessing is used in Scripture. And that is found in Genesis 1. 21 through 23, and this is when God blesses creatures. So God created the great creatures of the sea and every living thing, which the water teems, and that moves about in it, according to their kinds, and every winged bird according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. God blessed them and said, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the water in the seas and let the birds increase on the earth. And there was evening and morning on the fifth day. So here we see the initial structure and nature of blessing beginning to take shape, all right? So God blesses creatures, and he blesses them with a purpose. God chose to share his, his life-giving, his multiplying, his earth-filling uh, nature with creatures. That's the first thing that he did when he blessed the creatures. And he gave them a mission, and that was to what? fill the earth, right? So he imparts his ability to be fruitful to these creatures, and then he commands them to go and produce other life. And I think it's a great model of what blessing is because it's really about the giving of a blessing rather than receiving, which is kind of backwards with the way we look at it, am I right? Uh, God models giving a blessing as the first time it's ever used. Think about the times that you've given gifts to your kids, right? So like, think about like a really great Christmas. If you've ever had that moment happen, you know, um, you'll know that blessing comes when you give good gifts to your kids, am I right? So think about it for a minute. Who's more blessed in that situation? Because, I mean, let's face it, the stuff is going to break. It's going to get lost. <laughs> uh, eventually, they're not going to own it anymore. But the blessing that you give by giving is something that can't really be taken away. It's something that you can hold on to, and that is what I believe is a true blessing as modeled here. And the second time that blessing is mentioned in the Bible is actually not that far away, but it's extremely important, and this is when God decides to bless humanity. And this blessing is, is about inheritance, uh, dominion, rulership, and creating us in his image. That's all that encompasses this blessing right here. And the idea here in my interpretation is that he was a ruler. He had dominion over what he had created. And so in turn, he made us in his image and he made us rulers. So it's found in Genesis 1, 27 through 30. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Side note here, I am so, I'm personally so thankful that, that God so poignantly put in scripture his plan for, for gender here, male and female. That's the sermon for another time, but I personally am grateful for that, aren't you? Verse 28, God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish of the sea and the birds in the sky. This is the creation that he just blessed. And over everything, every living creature that moves on the ground. So he blessed the creatures 
to fill the earth. And then he, in turn, then blesses us by giving them dominion over his blessings. Isn't that interesting? Um, have you ever been given dominion over anything? Like you're put in charge of a group of people or in charge of an object or a child. There is a certain honor and responsibility that comes with that. Am I right? So when something belongs to you and you're taking charge of it, it's, it can be daunting, but that's a good thing because it puts you in responsibility and it puts you in a place of honor. Verse 29, Then God said, And I give you every seed-bearing plant in the face of the whole earth, and every tree that has fruit and seed in it. They will be yours for food. And all the beasts of the earth and all the birds in the sky and all of the creatures that move along the ground, everything that has breath of life in it, I give every green plant for food. And it was so. So God gives Adam and Eve... The whole world, right? So he creates everything and he says, here you go, it's yours. Have dominion over it, subdue it. And this is kind of a bold blessing, right? This is like everything that he just created. He said it was good and he just gives it to us. Like, here you go. And I think part of the reason is because we were designed to be like God's representation, right? So I already explained he's a ruler, he made us a ruler. I think he wanted it to be like a mirror image, right? So if you think about it, you look in the mirror. A mirror is supposed to be a demonstration or an exact representation of reality, right? So when you look back at it in the morning, some of us like to do that more than others. But you look at it and you count on it to reveal reality to you. So he wanted to look at us and see himself. And his plan was to look at us that way, holy, perfect rulers. And the purpose, I believe, was also that since he is holy, anything in his presence also had to be holy, right? So he blessed us in this way with his presence. And when you think about those two things that he gave us, we had every bit of blessing that we could have possibly imagined. We had the whole world and we had something better. We had God at our side. And I think that he did this because he wanted to live life with us, right? He wanted to be as close to us as possible. He wanted us with him going to Starbucks. He wanted him to be with us when we were uh, giving birth to children. He wanted us to be with him when we were at the grocery store, uh, in the garden, when we were walking around town. Every single moment he wanted to dwell with us. And so that, if you think about it, is the lottery, right? So inheritance, though, and that blessing came with conditions, as we read. And the thing is, as long as we kept those conditions, as long as we lived in a way that honored what he asked us to do, the simple thing he asked us to do, which was to live a perfect and holy life and never mess up, that he would be with us and we would be blessed. But we messed up. Someone say, you done messed up. <laughs> um, all they had to do was live a perfect and holy life. Easy, right? Um, and it shows us that we were meant to live under God's terms. But we decided then to take our own situation and live by our terms. And when we decided to do that, we exchanged the blessing for the curse. I mean, think about it. Those of you with kids, you know, have you ever given them a task or a, a rule to obey and you just, you totally trust them that they can handle it. And then you turn around only to find out, you know, do, do not touch the crayons. All you have to do is not draw on the wall. And then you turn around and then what happens, right? And it's so frustrating because it's like, it's so simple to follow it. But guess what? We do this all the time. We have simple instructions. We have something that's so easy, black and white, do or don't do this. And we seem to not be able to help messing up. 
And I shudder to think about how many times that we were supposed to live in a blessing, but because we weren't obedient, that we missed out on that blessing. I don't even want to know um, the number of times. So in order to illustrate this in a bigger picture, I'm going to need three people to come up, uh, three volunteers. So come on up. Uh, we're going to illustrate this in a way. Thank you. I got one. That's two. We need one more. So come on up. Thank you for being brave. Okay. So these egg cartons, this, this is going to represent the law. All right. So you've been given the law. Here you go. That's for you. And as long as you're living in the law, meaning that you have all 12 eggs in these dozens, that your dozen eggs has integrity, right? So what happens to the dozen if you remove one? So that law no longer has integrity, right? It's not a dozen. You can't sell me 11 eggs, right? So if you give me a carton and you say, here, buy this, it's a dozen, it's not true, right? So here's what we're going to do. Within the law, there are, there are little laws in which we're designed to follow. So I'm going to have you come up first. So these are your rules, right? In order to have integrity with your law, you have to have all of these rules in place, never have broken any, all right? Okay. So I'm going to ask you a question here. Have you ever murdered? Ever been angry at somebody? Mm -hmm. All right, so the Bible says you broke a law. So you no longer have a dozen eggs. Mm -mm. Have you ever lied? Mm -hmm. <laughs> all right, you ever put anything above God? Not doing so hot, my friend. Not doing so hot. Uh, have you ever taken the Lord's name in vain? I don't think you have. Mm -mm. Have you ever dishonored your father and mother? All right. Have you ever lusted? Well, you're a guy, so we're just going to break it. <laughs> <laughs> I, it's in the Bible, all right? Don't kill the messenger. So... You're not looking too hot, my friend. Uh -uh. All right, so let's just stop there. We're gonna... All right, Tracy, come on up. Here you go. All right, have you ever stolen anything? No. All right. Have you ever taken the Lord's name in vain? Yes. All right, broke a law. Have you ever had a God above God? Yes. All right. I think that's all we're gonna do. I think you're, you're looking pretty good, right? All right, you're a pretty good person. All right, you, my friend, come on up. Here you go. All right. <laughs> so you. <laughs> He's honest. Okay, so you, my friend, are the worst of all. You forgot to keep the Sabbath holy. Forgot to take a Sabbath. All right, so I'm gonna send you back. All right, so here's the th here is our condition, right? This is where we are. So here, and here's the crazy thing about where we, are, where we are in this place, right? So we look at each other's egg cartons, go ahead and open them up, and, and, and we are no longer filled with integrity with the law. We can no longer say that we have integrity with the law. And, and the crazy thing is we look at each other's egg cartons and we're like, hmm, you're not doing so great, and you're better. But here's the thing, y'all are short, doesn't matter. You all have fallen short of the glory of God. If you try to sell me one of these cartons, it doesn't matter. They're the same. So you're in the same condition. And so God looks at us after having broken these laws in the garden, right? And he says, where are you? And I think the, the representation of the mirror is why he asked that question. 
It's not that he didn't know physically where they were. He knew. He said, he looked in the mirror and he said, I don't recognize my perfect holy creation that I made. Now it's messed up. It doesn't look like me anymore. And he said, where are you? And so he went looking for Adam and Eve because he didn't recognize them anymore. All right, so go on over there. You're lost now. Head on over there. You can take your card. You're going to need that. No, you're going to need it. Here you go. Go ahead and join your lost folk over there. <laughs> He's got it. He's got it. He's pretty perfect. He's pretty close. <laughs> so I, it, it, does, it makes you chuckle, but it also makes me kind of sad thinking about we had this blessing, this perfect situation, and because of our actions, because of what we've done, we've lost that blessing and exchanged it for a curse. And uh, so we continue the story a little bit here in uh, Genesis chapter 12, and this is fast-forwarding to Abraham, verse 2 through 3. And this is the promise of blessing given to Abraham. And I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a what? A blessing. I will bless those who bless you and him who dishonors you, I will curse. And in all of you, and in, and in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So God's blessing is a little bit different here, right? He doesn't say, I call you blessed. He says, I will bless you. So this is something for later. And so our complete people over here, our incomplete people over here, you're going to have to wait until the story. So the story's over. So go ahead and sit down. Uh, thank you, everybody. Give them a hand. You're going to have to wait until, until the end, but be grateful because Abraham had to wait like 2,000 years. So you have to wait like a few. So um, we're going to now continue our story through uh, Abraham's grandson, Jacob. And so uh, we find the Bible's first wrestling match. And I think it looked a little something like this. Take a look. What? I'll take the pony. I can wrestle him, but you are tall and fast like a gazelle. You can do it. Pray to the Lord for strength. I don't believe in God. I believe in science. You're not being baptized? Okay, so it probably didn't look something like that, but did you really think I was going to be able to do, uh, to tell the story of Jacob wrestling with God and not show you that? I mean, come on. What do you, what do you expect? So brokenness and blessing is the next segment I want to talk through here. And this is Jacob wrestling with God. It's found in Genesis 32, 24 through 32. So Jacob was left alone and a man wrestled with him until daybreak. When a man saw, when the man saw that he could not overpower him, he touched the socket of Jacob's hip so that his hip was wrenched as he wrestled the man. Then the man said, let me go for it's daybreak. But Jacob replied, I will not let you go unless you bless me. The man asked him, what is your name? Jacob answered. Then the man said, your name will no longer be Jacob, but Israel, because you have struggled with God and with humans and have overcome. Jacob said, please tell me your name. But he replied, why do you ask my name? And then he blessed them there. So Jacob ended up getting what he wanted. So Jacob called the place Peniel, saying, It is because I saw God face to face, and yet my life was spared. This is 
Such a weird story. I mean, come on, let's just be honest. I read through this, and I have some questions. So I just wanted to walk through these questions with you. Uh, number, number one question it raises for me is, was the unnamed man God? Well, that's what Jacob believed, it says. Uh, he had the power to change his identity, right? Who has the power to change identity? God. And uh, Jacob and this man also claimed that this man was God. So I think there's a good reason to believe that this was God that he was dealing with. And so why wrestling is the next question. Why did God choose wrestling and not just, you know, talk to him or like send an angel or something? And I think this is because uh, it was a representation of the process that both Jacob and Israel had to go through, wrestling with God. See, Jacob was kind of a coward in a way. If you read through his story, you'll see that he tried to grab a hold of blessing in kind of a roundabout way, right? So the story of, of his birth, uh, story of his couple marriages, like he's just going around God's plan and trying to grab it. And so what God did here is he forced him into a confrontation with him. Or, no, you're not going to go around about this in another way. You're going to grab hold of your blessings until you get blessed. And this is a representation of the struggle that Israel would go through. And that is why I believe he changed his name to Israel, because that would be the coming future. And so the third question I ask is, why was Jacob's hip dislodged? Jacob left uh, the match uh, with God both broken and blessed. I mean, some of us have felt this way often, where ever, anybody have an unanswered question to God, like, God, why is this the case? And you just never get answered. That's an example of being both broken and blessed, because you know that God has a plan, and you know that he's there watching over you, but you're broken inside, wondering why. Why, why is this so? And so one other example of this is in discipline. So uh, not to make things weird or anything, but um, did anybody else get punished by getting spanked? when you were younger, right? So any uh, wooden spoon people out there? All right, wave at me. Okay, cool, there's more of you than I thought there'd be. Um, so I remember standing uh, on my own and knowing I'd done something wrong and hearing the shuffling of the spoon drawer and just being terrified. And I'm wondering if that was intentional. Maybe I'll ask mom and dad. But um, see, the thing is, when you're getting disciplined, it's, it's kind of a brokenness that happens inside, am I right? It's, it's like, why is this happening? You don't understand it. And in that moment, you don't really get it. But later on, now I look back at my childhood and I say, thank God that I had parents that were bold enough to discipline me. And so now, whenever there's somebody in authority that says, hey, you did something wrong or you messed up, I now have the ability to humble myself, change my actions, and live better. So I am now thankful for that brokenness and that blessing, right? So... Thanks, Mom. Thanks, Dad. Um, another example of brokenness and blessing is being, uh, having a broken heart for the lost. So when I think about people spending eternity with, without Jesus, that breaks my heart. But how is that a blessing? Well, here's the thing. You and I both get to be a part of the solution. When you say, look, Jesus is the way, somebody joins um, the fold and puts their faith in the Lord Jesus, and their, go and their eternities are changed forever, that's a blessing, right? It's a blessing for both them and you and to God. But without that brokenness, it's not really much of a blessing, right? Another example is the cross. Um, we feel both broken and blessed by the cross, right? So thinking about what we did to put Jesus on the cross, our actions did that. And there's a brokenness in that, knowing that that was what caused his pain and his death. But there's a blessing also because you didn't deserve it. And so you got that free gift. 
And so it changes the way that we look in, at our, uh, our entire life and our obedience to, to Christ. All right. Let's talk about persecution. <laughs> no one's ever been excited to talk about it. Um, so Jesus said, blessed are you, or blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Matthew 5, 11. I mean, how often do we wake up and we just say, man, I just hope I'm persecuted today. But it's a blessing, right? That's what it says right here in Scripture. I mean, you don't really see it uh, advertised all that much, but there are stories out there, and I want to read one to you. So this is the story of uh, Kim Yoon-jin uh, from North Korea, a place that breaks my heart, by the way. Uh, U.S. officials estimate that the population of North Korea to be roughly 24 million people, and missiologists, that's people who study missions, believe that, there, or believe that before the Korean War, 13% of the population were Christians. But today, at most, it's around 2 Um, The 31-year-old Kim was born in Pyongyang, North Korea, into a Christian family. As uh, a child in school, Kim was taught that the official truth was that there was no God and that people should worship only the country's leaders. And so on Saturday nights, her family gathered in the back of their tiny apartment and whispered and studied their Bible until the lights went off. See, in uh, North Korea, they turn off the electricity at a certain point. In, you don't, they don't get electricity all through the night. They only get it for a certain amount of hours. So you have that amount of time to gather as a family. Kim's grandmother had translated a Chinese Bible into Korean, and it became their family's most prized possession. Eventually, Kim's father was discovered. Police arrested him and an uncle on the day, uh, on the day when Kim was at school. She never saw her father again. Kim, her mother, grandmother, and siblings all eventually escaped North Korea. I grew up in a land where they said there was no God, in a recent interview. But my father told me otherwise, thank God. Her dream is to continue, uh, is to return to Pyongyang and share the love of Christ. We're getting ready for the day when those doors open, she says. According to our limited perspective, I just don't think that most people would automatically call them blessed. But the words found in Scripture say that they are. And I think it's because their view of blessing wasn't here. Their view of blessing is found in their identity in Christ and their eternity that they get to live. And so I often doubt when I read stories like this, I doubt my own interpretation of what blessing is. But I sometimes have to, I have no choice but to trust that God knows what a blessing is for me. Am I right? Say amen. See, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob also had no choice. And if you think about it, they died without having seen the blessing that they were told about. I wonder if all of us are ready to die and end our lives without having seen blessings that we've been told about that we believe for. And I think the problem is our perspective. It's because everything that we look forward to, we, look, we tend to look forward to it being right here, right now. Kind of like the girl in this next clip. Take a look. Hey, Daddy, I want a golden goose. Here we go again. All right, sweetheart, all right. Daddy will get you a golden goose as soon as we get home. No, I want one of those. Bonka, how much do you want for the golden goose? They're not for sale. Name the price. She can't have them. Who says I can't? Remember the funny hat. I want one. Okay, so why do we do this? Here's a, here's a thought. Maybe what you think is a blessing isn't 
a blessing at all. Maybe what you think is a blessing actually is a true blessing from God, but it's not supposed to come to you or your family in this lifetime. So maybe instead of complaining, and I do this all the time, that things aren't happening now, maybe we need to trust that God's got the plan in general and that he's working all things together for good for those who love him, all of his children, not just you. Come on, smile at me. Maybe instead of comparing your Facebook to another Facebook, what seems to be a perfect order of situations and things that's been designed that way to your Facebook, maybe we need to spend more time looking at what's in front of you, what you're blessed with right now, instead of comparing it to something that looks perfect but really isn't. You see, our role in this relationship is to trust him that he knows what's best for us, even if we don't see it. And so, how do we interpret a real blessing then? I mean, if things are so hidden in eternity, I believe that we are meant to actually see what blessings are, and here's how. We can identify what true blessing is. Um, so we're going to look through this, this passage to do that. James 1, 17 through 18. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down, to the, uh, coming down from the Father of heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. He chose to give us birth through the word of truth, that we might be a kind of first fruits of all that he created. And so just to get thing, one thing straight real quick, this is actually a verse uh, regarding temptation, but I think it's indicative of the source and the nature of blessing. And uh, Webster's actually reflects this idea. When I looked it up, it says, blessing is the actions or words of someone who blesses. And I love this definition because it actually points to the source. And so my first point here in this section is, a true blessing always has a good source. In fact, it is impossible to receive a true blessing without a good source. So if God blesses you with a long life, where is the source of your long life? Is it because you had enough kale? <laughs> no, it's God. If, you have, if God blesses you with children, is that because you decided to have a child or is it because God blessed you with it? It came from a good source. So it's important to remember that. Every blessing is a good and perfect gift that ultimately comes from him. And so the second way to identify a true blessing is it has a good purpose, right? So I've been blessed with a car. Uh, most of us in America have been blessed with that. It's not the same everywhere else in the world. But we're a very blessed nation, am I right? So most of us have a car. And I believe that God blessed me with that car. But if I take that blessing and I use it for a curse, in other words, if I start using that car to deliver drugs, can I expect that God is going to continue to have his hand on that blessing? No. Or if my intention is to do that, I, you may end up with something that looks like a blessing, but it's not a true blessing given from a good source. Is this making sense? All right. Uh, so uh, we're running short on time, so I'm going to skip down a little bit here. What's the purpose of true blessing? Right? That's the question that I end up asking when I look through this stuff. What do we do with our blessings when we get them? And um, I believe that uh, God gave us a really good interpretation of what to do with blessings in this movie. So take a look. What's this? It's money. What did you think? But we lost. We all get a piece. Mala, ve que, que soy una llorona loca. Por 
se cae de esta mala de que si que sale una llorona loca me sale una noche una noche en carnaval y a la cintura So I think we are blessed to be a blessing. Can you say amen? I think that's why we have blessings to begin with. In fact, being a blesser, I think, is the best way to live a blessed life, by being a giver. And Jesus said, give away as much as you can if you want to be perfect. He said that in Matthew 19, 21. So, question, is it wrong to gather money or to have income? Absolutely not. But here's the question. When you're gathering income, when you're gathering wealth and resources, are you doing it to be a hoarder of those blessings, a hoarder of that resource? Or are you doing it so that you can then turn it around and either bless your family, your friends, or the people around you? That's the question to ask. And so think about it this way. Someday, everything we gather, including our wealth, is going to be useless to us, right? So in the meantime, you might as well be a giver with it. Am I right? Is this making sense? Say amen. All right. Uh, and this is what Jesus did, too. He, mo he modeled it. Uh, we find uh, a couple more scriptures that support this. Uh, Proverbs 22, 9. He who has a generous eye will be blessed. Proverbs 11, 25 through 26. A generous soul will be made rich, and he who waters will also be watered himself. The people uh, will curse him who withholds grain, but a blessing will be on the head of those who sell it. So, if you're going to be greedy with stuff, do it so that you can then turn around and bless others. And I'm not talking about just money, of course, so I'm talking about every resource you have. So be generous with your attention, right? When was the last time that you just spent a day with just your family? That you just decided, you know what, I'm gonna spend today with my kids and there's many other things that I could do, there's a lot of other ways that I could use this time and attention, but I'm gonna focus on my family. When was the last time you did that? Be generous with your words. When was the last time that you got out your phone and instead of doing something that feeds you temporarily, that you chose to text a friend or call a friend that you haven't heard of in a while and just encourage them and just bless them. You can be generous with your words. You can use your words in here just to prop up yourself, or you can use your words to go out and to bless others. Be generous with your focus. Think about when you're at work. Are you the person at work that is always thinking about yourself and your problems and your issues? Or are you the person that goes out of their way to bless somebody else by putting attention and focus on them? And so um, I'm gonna, I, I wanted to share with you a couple of examples of things in my personal life that I have found uh, have blessed me as a result of thinking this way. And just a disclaimer, it, it might feel a little braggy, I thought about not putting this in here, but I, I, I'm going to, okay? So I'm doing the sermon, so I'm going to do what I want to do. So, uh, so I want to show you this video real quick of, of my daughter. Take a look. <laughs> so every parent knows, right, that when you have a child, um, everything that you have, you're going to lose it, right? It's, it's eventually going to, you're going to be like the giving tree, right, where you're just a stump and there's nothing left to give. But here's the thing, I am blessed in the process of doing that. And I especially learned that through having a girl. Anybody who has a girl know, agree with me? Yeah, so you know you're gonna lose it all anyway. 
Um, but the thing is, the more selfish I am with my time with her and my generosity with her, the least blessing I receive from this relationship. And so I want to give you another example. So here's a picture of the team that I get to be a part of here. Um, I am so incredibly blessed that every single day, my job is to wake up and come here and serve all of you. And I cannot tell you what a blessing that is. I, I, it's indescribable. The ways that God has turned that around and blessed my heart is, it's just incalculable. Uh, I want to show you a picture of my grandparents. So this picture here, uh, I look at this often. This is a picture of legacy. And if you knew this, the four spiritual giants that are standing on either side of me in this picture, I'm telling you, you would be jealous. I have been invested in, focused on, brought up with a legacy of faith that is so precious and value to me, valuable to me and has blessed me that I really don't have a way to, to, to say no to turning in that legacy over to the next generation. It's just too great. And so I'm really blessed by a legacy. Uh, and I want to show this picture of me and my wife. All right, so any married people will know that uh, the, the more selfish you are in marriage, I feel like the least blessing you receive, right? So I'm not perfect in this, even remotely close to perfect in this. Let's get that out of the way. But I do know this, that if you have two people who are both givers, then you have a blessed marriage. I do know that. And so I want to encourage you to live generously in everything that you do, with every relationship that you have. Try to think how to be a blessing to others, and you'll find how blessed you are. And I want to talk to my negative people real quick. So negative Nancy's, negative Nicholas's in here. Um, I just want to encourage you. If you ever find yourself in a place where you're just like, I'm not very blessed, I'm not very lucky, God doesn't really have his hand on me, I just want to challenge you in this moment. Count your blessings. Just start counting them. You woke up. You have breath in your lungs, you've got working arms and legs, you know, you've got so many blessings that you aren't aware of because you're not counting them. And I think you look a little bit like my son in this picture right here when you do that, right? So you can't help but throw your arms in the air and smile and say, look at how many blessings there are all around me. Uh, and so I want to encourage you, try to live that way. Try to count your blessings and I'll see, you'll see that eventually you lose count of all of them. Is this good or is this not good? All right. Um, so, the last point I want to make as we're drawing this to a close is our blessing extends past our lifetimes. We talked about what happens in this life, the purpose, the nature of blessings in this life. And uh, so now we want to talk about what happens, how it's a bigger picture. So in the garden, we had the greatest blessing. We walked with him, as we discussed. And we lost it in exchange for a curse. But guess what? It wasn't the end. Anybody else grateful that that wasn't the end of the story? So I'm going to invite my egg people back. I'm going to do a couple things now. So egg people, come on back. And uh, I'm going to have everybody in this room stand in honor of God's word. And uh, we normally do this at the beginning, but you know what? We're going to do it this way. <laughs> so Harvest Ridge, we stand in honor of God's word because we honor it. So that's why we do this. So uh, our passage for today is found in Galatians 3, 6 through 14, and verse 15 and 16. So Abraham also believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness. Understand then that those who have faith are children of Abraham. Who's got faith? You're a child of Abraham. Scripture foresaw that God would justify the Gentiles by faith and announced the gospel in advance to Abraham. All the nations will be blessed through you, 
Christ redeemed us, come on somebody, from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it's written, curse is anyone who hangs on a tree. He redeemed us. Say, he redeemed us. In order that the blessing given to Abraham might come to the Gentiles through Jesus Christ so that by faith we might receive the promise of the Spirit. Brothers and sisters, let me take an example of everyday life. Just, as, just so no one can set aside or add to human covenant that has already been duly established. So, it is in this case, the promises were spoken to Abraham and to his seed. Scripture does not say and to seeds, meaning, but, meaning people, but and to your seed. And that's who? Jesus Christ. Meaning one person who is Jesus Christ. Here is our eternal blessing, all right? And this is what Jesus does. He's got more resources than we do. Here's what Jesus does with our law. He says, you are fulfilled. You are now made whole. You are now justified. Come on, somebody. You are now sanctified. You are now whole. Your identity is in Jesus, not in the things that you've done. And so now we can live in a different way as Christians. And here's our blessing. This is going to be challenging, all right? So buckle up. We're going to go through the Beatitudes here. Blessed are us. Right? Are you ready? This is the promises in living and blessing that we receive from the, from the Beatitudes. Number one, we will see God, for they shall see God. Blessed are those who see God. The pure shall see God. So you are now sanctified. So we all need to stop living like God can't see us or that we can get away with things, right? You have the ability to be obedient now, right? The ship has sailed. You've, you've failed. You've messed up. But now we can look back and say, no longer do I choose sin. We can live a pure life, and we can leave that stuff behind us. We're not going to ever be perfect until we reach eternity. But we have the ability to say no to sin through Jesus. Can you say amen? amen? Number two, they will be shown mercy. They shall receive mercy, Matthew 5, 7. Forgive. Guess what? God forgave you, didn't he? Is there anybody in here who hasn't been forgiven, who isn't allowed forgiveness? We all have been forgiven. So when somebody sins against you, and messes up against you, you can forgive them. And that means that you are blessed. Amen? Amen? Number three, we will be part of God's family, for they shall be sons and daughters of God. So as a child of God, guess what? You're going to have bad days. And on a bad day, you are still a child of God. And guess what? On the best day that you have, when you're living perfectly and you're all set, guess what? You're still a child of God. And so no matter what anybody says about you, no matter what anybody says about your past, including the devil, you are a child of God. You've been grafted into a family. You belong to him, no matter what. Come on, somebody. Your identity is in him, and you are blessed. Number four, we will receive God's comfort. They shall be comforted. Stop throwing yourself a pity party every time one little thing goes wrong. I mean, come on, we've all done it, right? You have the ability to be comforted. And guess what? Here's the thing. You are more than conquerors now in Jesus. So when one bad thing goes wrong in your life, when something doesn't go your way, you're more than a what? More than a conqueror. Amen. Number five, we will be co-owners of the whole world. They shall inherit the earth. Matthew 5, 5. 
The entire world belongs to you because guess what? You belong to God. You are co-heirs with Christ. So how many believe that we need to stop treating each other so badly? We have the ability to do that, right? We can be blessed in that way. Number six, we will be satisfied with personal and universal righteousness. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be satisfied. Stop seeking after things that are only going to leave you empty, broken, and wanting more in this life. Hunger and thirst after righteousness. When we do that, we have everything that we need to be blessed. Can you say amen? Amen. Your delight is in the what? The law of the Lord. That makes you blessed. As believers, this is what it means to be blessed. And so the promise of Abraham has been fulfilled. And so guess what? We are rich. We were poor in our condition, but we were made rich. And so I don't want to leave anybody out this morning. So what I want to do, I know we're a little bit over. But what I want to do is if you don't know Jesus, if you're in this room and you're saying, you know what? I've tried to do things my way. I've tried to live according to what I think I should do by grabbing at my own blessings. And I'm tired of it. I want to know Jesus. If you've never made that decision before, if you don't know the Lord, I'm not going to ask anybody to close their eyes this morning. I'm just going to ask you to lift your hand. If that's you, why don't you be bold and lift a hand? All right, so I'm going to assume that we're all believers. Isn't that something to celebrate? Come on, let's celebrate today. But just in case you didn't lift a hand, I I do want to include you. So we're going to pray together. Nobody prays alone at Harvest Ridge Church. So we're going to pray a prayer of salvation. If this is you, you want to give your heart over to Jesus right now. Let's pray. Repeat after me. Say, dear Lord, I'm sorry for living my own way. I choose to follow your way. Come into my heart. Be the Lord of my life. I want to be richly blessed. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. And so to close, I want to say a couple things before we get started. We're going to close with the song here. Focus on what really matters every single day, all right? So your day is important, am I right? But one day isn't the end. Focus on eternity. If you start to look at life that way, you can't imagine how blessed you're going to be. Number two, be generous with the temporary blessings that you have. We talked enough about that. Number three, live life with some eternal perspective and remind yourself that you are blessed. All right, so we're going to sing this song. You guys can go ahead and have a seat. Let's give it up for them.